Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show, and it is great to have you with us. We begin today with breaking developments in both the Department of Justice's six-year-long investigation of the president's son, Hunter Biden, and new developments in the House Oversight Committee investigation of President Biden himself, with very serious implications for the president. A whistleblower has made allegations of financial corruption involving President Biden directly, and foreign governments and entities and individuals. First, the president's son. First, the president's son, major media outlets are reporting that federal prosecutors are now nearing a decision on whether to charge Hunter Biden in the four- to six-year-long investigation that involve allegations of tax, drug, and gun-related violations. This happening as House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer's investigation of the Biden family is ramping up. The Daily Mail reporting that a whistleblower has come forward with some damning allegations against the president for his conduct during his time as vice president. The whistleblower says that Joe Biden was part of a criminal bribery scheme with a foreign national in which an exchange of money was made for policy decisions while he was still vice president. This whistleblower says the FBI and DOJ have a detailed file on the pay-to-play scheme. Now, you've heard me before criticize the FBI and DOJ countless times on this program, asking a very simple question. If there are good guys in the FBI and the DOJ, and they're not all corrupt, then where are they? Where are the whistleblowers? Well, some are showing up. We might be in the midst of a new direction shift in the FBI, we can only hope so, depending on whether this whistleblower was or is an employee of those agencies. As I said, we might finally be seeing those brave members of the FBI and DOJ start to come out and do their duty as Americans, and do their best to help stem the pervasive corruption of the DOJ and FBI. And now let's get up to date on other serious allegations by former CIA Deputy Director Michael Morell against Secretary of State Tony Blinken and about the role that Blinken played in the days just before the last 2020 presidential debate. Morell claims Blinken came to him asking Morell to draft that letter signed by 51 former intel officers stating that the Hunter Biden laptop was just Russian disinformation. Those who signed that letter knowingly lied and did so to sabotage President Trump and his campaign for re-election. Blinken first said that he wouldn't talk about the allegation at all, but then changed his mind, and he now says he doesn't deny reaching out to Morrell about drafting that letter, but he also somewhat bizarrely claims it wasn't his idea. So then the question becomes, whose idea was it? 
And who is Blinken covering for? It's clear those 51 Intel veterans lied, and they lied for the purpose of intervening in the presidential election of 2020, thereby arguably denying President Trump re-election and putting an illegitimate president in the White House. And now joining us, I am pleased to say, is Heather McDonald. Heather is one of the smartest people I know. She's putting her great gifts to fighting to preserve the American way. Heather McDonald, great to have you here on The Great America Show. Lou, it's always such a pleasure to be with you and, and embarrassing to get such an introduction, but I will, I will try to live up to the standard that you set. Your new book, When Race Trumps Merit, uh, it is to me a fascinating statement about where we are, because this has been the, the, the nub of the thing for so long. When race trumps merit, the affirmative action, quotas, everything else, there is, I think, in, in this society, every understanding that merit is what it's all about. Ability, uh, talent, uh, skill, uh, all trump. Uh, race, uh, they have to, or it wouldn't be America, right? Lou, you're absolutely right, and and your your puzzlement is completely justified. Uh, and as you say, though we have been betraying this ideal of accomplishment, of effort, of achievement, of excellence for decades, uh, without really taking account that we are doing so. So we've had to a maybe ever lessening degree a discourse about accomplishment. But what's been growing in volume for decades and what reached an absolute peak of hysteria and neuroses after the George Floyd race riots was an alternative discourse, which says that there is no excellence in America. There is no opportunity in America. There is no greatness in America because we are systemically racist, and therefore we have to make as the criterion for selection for every single mainstream institution not excellence, not merit, but rather identity and, above all, race. And we have been tearing down meritocratic standards in, in education. Anybody that doesn't know about the vast racial preferences in admissions to college, in admissions to law schools, in admissions to medical schools, in admission to business schools, is, is in some kind of faraway hamlet, uh, un, unaware of, of any kind of news that's been going on. Uh, but it has gotten much worse and much, much more dangerous. And that's why, you know, I, I'm trying to sound the alarm now that we, we, we're, we're at the, at the brink of losing everything about our civilization if we don't stand up to these phony charges of systemic racism. And standing up right now looks like uh, some uh, some equivalent, some analog for, for Tiananmen Square uh, when the young dissenters stood in front of those tanks. Because right now the, the forces are arrayed against anyone who does uh, in any way not conform, who does dissent, uh, who does want to exercise his or her right of free speech, uh, even if it's unpopular, even if it's uh, contra-establishment, uh, especially if it's contra-establishment. 
uh, you are canceled. You are expunged. You are removed uh, and, in effect, destroyed by the forces that control our society, our economy. Uh, and it's, it is it is a big ask now for people to actually exercise free speech because there is sure to be consequence, negative consequence. Brilliant and bravo, and that's it. I mean, you've said it all, Lou, and that's the conclusion of my book. But you're absolutely right. What this is going to take is personal courage and a commitment to principle that transcends the individual. But I talk about uh, a conversation I had with a, a leading oncologist at an East Coast medical school who has devoted his life to trying to cure cancer. That's all he wants to accomplish. And he got a email message that was sent out across the country by the deputy director of the National Cancer Institutes. This is a federal agency that funds about 35 cancer research centers across the country that are located at large university, you know, the cutting-edge university medical schools but they're no longer cutting edge because they're all capitulating to diversity, but they used to be. And this is where the the most funded cancer research goes on. And the deputy director from the National Cancer Institute, a federal agency, you know, presidentially appointed, sent out a message saying, please send us a more diverse group of candidates for this particularly prestigious award that the National Cancer Institute's grants to the most cutting-edge researchers that are doing high-risk, high-reward science. She said, send us a different slate of candidates because what we've been, the awardees have not been diverse. She did not say, send us more meritocratic candidates, send us more excellent candidates. The message was, change your standards I don't care at what scientific cost in order to, so that we can put some black faces out there. And I asked this oncologist who sent me this email, when are you guys going to stand up and defend your life work? And he responded, we want our jobs. We need our jobs. If we stand up, the people who stand up, it's exactly as you said, Lou. They've all been canceled. They've been destroyed and without much effect. He said the entire scientific enterprise is going to have to come down. It will be in 50 years. It will have been destroyed to the ground and then it will have to be rebuilt from the ground up. So that's the problem. Unless you are outside of an, of a, organization that can impose these draconian punishments on simply speaking the truth, you're asking a lot of people. And that's, you know, it's a hard ask to make, but unless people start standing up, the left is going to win and it is all coming down. And I hate to say, Heather, I believe uh, we see the uh, the rubble field uh, growing. Uh, it is we we are headed toward uh, an amazing result for what has been the the most powerful nation on earth for the for more than a century now. 
militarily, uh, scientifically, and to think what this country has become uh, in these latter decades is appalling. It's tragic. It's heartrending. Because not only will all of us suffer as Americans, but the world, they, they don't realize it or pretend at least that they uh, don't uh, see it at all. Uh, the effect will be global. Well, here's what's going on, Lou. Uh, you know, this, one of the themes of my book is the concept of disparate impact. And what we're doing here in the United States is tearing down every meritocratic standard if it has a disparate impact on so-called underrepresented minorities. So if there's a test that blacks don't do as well as whites on, we get rid of the test. We get rid of the expectation of excellence uh, on the assumption that that's a racist test. No, it's not. What our problem is is we have these vast academic skills gaps that, that make it inevitable that any colorblind meritocratic standard will have a disparate impact. And unless those skills gaps are closed, we will not have any possibility of racial proportionality coexisting with excellence. But we have decided that we would rather have no standards of excellence than have standards of excellence that have a disparate impact. So we're getting rid of gifted and talented programs for students. We're saying you may be a, a gifted, talented mathematics whiz, but we're not going to allow you to study calculus in the ninth grade even though you're ready for it because those calculus classes will not be racially proportionate. Meanwhile, China is throwing everything it's got at its most talented students. It is making sure that its math geniuses are are given early advanced training to make sure that they can realize their talents to the fullest extent. So while we decide that we want our medical research labs, we're going to select our researchers for federal grants on the basis not of their scientific accomplishments, but on the basis of their skin color, uh, China's not doing that. And so the progress of medical science will absolutely slow down in the United States. We are not selecting our best researchers to try and understand Alzheimer's disease or diabetes. We're saying we'd, the federal government is saying we would rather select on the basis of race. China will take up the torch, but... Yeah. And then they will, I mean, in nanotechnology, in military technologies, in AI and engineering. Again, we have engineering schools across the country that are selecting their students on the trivialities of race and sex. That is not happening in China. Um, the freedom issue is a different one. China will not take up that torch, that's for sure. Right. But as far as, as far as dominance in science and tech, China will take over and crush us. With that, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking with author, scholar, great American, Heather McDonald. Her book is When Race Trumps Merit, How the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence, Destroys Beauty, and Threaten Lives. And because we are a parochial broadcast, uh, those are American lives we're talking about. Stay with us. We'll be back with Heather McDonald. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. 
It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We're back now talking with Heather McDonald uh, and her book again is When Race Trumps Merit. Heather, I want to go to something that you you were mentioning as we broke for uh, the commercial. And that is the idea that bureaucrats in the federal government are making decisions about who gets grants, how it's done, diversity trumping excellence. That's what you're really talking about here, is is a society, an economy now that is perverted. Well, it's absolutely true. I mean, we just get more and more bureaucratized, more and more risk-averse. It's the feminization of the economy. Uh, females are not the risk-takers. They're not the entrepreneurs. On average, I mean, obviously, any individual can be a complete, uh, you know, var- variant from the norm. But there are absolute uh traits that are clustered around the, the, the two sexes that psychology has recognized for a long time. So we have, yeah, the increasing bureaucracies, the human resource departments, uh, the diversity departments, of course, which are just the absolute poison of, of a meritocratic society and a society that's truth-telling because we are not a racist country at this point. We were a racist country. We're a shamefully racist country, but we are not that country. Country today, but the diversity bureaucracy is dedicated to that untruth. But what kills me, Lou, it's not just the the apparatchik bureaucrats that have gone to you know gotten their MAs in some phony organizational student service you know uh, falsehood of of a, of a non 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 academic discipline. It's the leaders of these organizations who are skilled, who should know better, who are nevertheless themselves selling out their organizations. So you have the, the, the editors of leading scientific magazines, journals. You have the heads of medical schools. You have the heads of, of our science funding agencies declaring that math is racist, that science is racist, that medicine is racist. It, it is a math psychosis. And and what it's driven by is the fact that we have not closed our racial disparities over decades of trying, over trillions of dollars of effort, redistribution, social programs, school funding at, at vastly higher levels in inner cities, and the gaps have not closed. And Americans of goodwill are terrified that the the gaps are not going to close, and they're putting out there proleptically the only allowable explanation is racism, because nobody wants to talk about the behaviors and the culture that are impeding this 
desired goal of all groups having equal outcomes. It's, and the reason we don't have equal outcomes is not racism. It is, it is a dysfunctional inner city culture. Have we ever been in a situation like this in our country where there are so many uh, myths and uh, deceits and false narratives and hoaxes being played on an, our entire society that's been allowed to grow up? People accept as fact what is absolute balderdash. I don't think so, Lou. I think that is what is so hard to accept. I, I'm, I'm, I'm astonished on a daily basis, Lou, that we are living these fictions. We're all forced to go along with them. The fiction that, that blacks are at daily risk of their lives from whites and yet they this is the this is the standard line you get after the the shooting of the 16-year-old Ralph Yarl in Kansas City when he he rang the doorbell in the corner of the homeowner knocked on the on the wrong door at 10 10 p.m. at night and the homeowner maybe trigger happy maybe not shot him he will Yarl will survive but after this, this produced the usual outpouring of racial bathos that, oh, my God, to be black in America is to be at constant risk of our lives from whites. This is preposterous. The reason that blacks are at elevated risk of their lives is not from whites. It's not from the police. It's from other blacks. They're killing each other by the dozens every single day. Every single day, there are dozens of black homicide victims. That is more than all white and Hispanic homicide victims combined, even though blacks are only 13% of the population. Uh, the interracial violence, if we're going to talk about who's killing whom across the races, blacks commit 87% of all interracial violence between blacks and whites and whites on blacks. So I have a long list of the activities while white that are lethal. You know, if you're if you're reporting on a crime while white, if you are if you are riding the subway while white, if you are walking in downtown Minneapolis while white, if you are riding your bicycle while white, if you're jogging while white, these are all activities that have led to egregious assaults, if not murder, black on white that never gets talked about because the only thing that the media will ever talk about are the few instances of a white on black assault but those are so rare that that we hear about every single one of them and they're it's, very few and i think we have to kind of to pull back too and, and and remind everybody we're talking about a society in which our media is owned I, I'm going to say the number is somewhere approaching 95% is corporatist-owned media uh, in this country. You were saying earlier that, that people have a sense of this, uh, but they are overwhelmed. No wonder the most powerful institutions in our country are peddling what are outright lies and lies that do not contribute to the public good. There is no greater good at uh, work here. This is destructive of the very society that we've built, this great nation that we've built. Well, facts have got to matter. And at this point, it does feel like they don't. I mean, I can put out the facts on crime and policing. I've been doing it for 20 years. And 
I can't say I've had a huge impact on, on liberal discourse, but I'm going to continue doing it because I can't stand to live with idiocy, which is what our country is today. But I think if more people have the facts, and, you know, my book does have a whole range of facts to counter the racism narrative. When your kids come home from school, if they've been brainwashed there and they say the police are racist, here's the facts. You know, here's the facts of who's killing blacks. Here's the facts about what our country is. Here's the facts about why Google does not have 13 percent black engineers. You know, here's the facts about why Asians are whooping everybody's ass here because they have a culture that values studying. If we all emulated that, especially in the inner city, we wouldn't have these problems. There is their culture. There is that. But there is, in point of fact, differences in talent. Uh, And they have to be acknowledged. Uh, we, we would not, you know, this this bloviating nonsense that has uh, come up and become uh, uh, has been put in granite uh, in front of everyone on granite tablets. Diversity uh, is our strength. It's pure nonsense. Our strength is our talent, our energy, our commitment, our work ethics, uh, our culture. That is our strength. Diversity is what we can achieve with strength. Your thoughts? I completely agree. Again, diversity is simply a code word for preferences. If we didn't have these skills gaps, if we didn't have the talent gaps, nobody would be talking about diversity. We talk about diversity because we know that in a colorblind setting, we're not going to have it. And so we do have this entire myth around diversity. And the fact of the matter is, as you've discussed, Lou, the social science actually tells us the opposite. (laughs) It's it's not the case. It's not the case that... communities uh, do best with diversity. They don't. The social trust goes down. Volunteerism goes down. Philanthropy goes down. Uh, you know, it's, it's not ideal. We've, we sort of have it now. We've got to learn to live with it. But the fact of the matter is, is that the most successful societies, everybody looks at the Norwegian societies, they are much more homogeneous. Um, so that's a really dirty truth that nobody wants to talk about. And, and we have. I'm sorry. And those Chinese folks over there, the CCP, they have that uh, little secret as well. Uh, we're going to talk about homogeneity. We're going to talk about diverse societies uh, and the truth, because we are talking with truth teller Heather McDonald. Her book is uh, I recommend it to you highly when race trumps merit, how the pursuit of equity sacrifices excellence, destroys beauty and threatens lives. We'll be back with Heather in just one moment. OK, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back talking with Heather McDonald. Her book is When Race Trumps Merit. Heather, you and I are going to be upsetting the left in particular, the powerful corporate entities. You know, freedom of speech means having the ability as well as not only to speak, but to speak truth to power. Uh, You are doing that. Uh, We salute you, and uh, we are deeply grateful for you so so doing. Uh, Let's take a couple of examples of truth in our society. Uh, The Title 42 uh, ends next week. That means that we're going to have an onslaught of illegal immigrants across our border. The estimates are a half million next week uh, after the 11th, a half million poised to come across that border. Uh, The countervailing influence to that are 1,500 active duty troops to be sent to the southern border by President Biden. But what what he doesn't tell everybody is that those troops will not be there to apprehend, to capture, to support. They'll be doing uh, administrative tasks, bookkeeping, uh, transportation, uh, perhaps janitorial work for all I know, but they will not in any way be uh, uh, securing the border. That is the kind of uh, lies that we have that we have come to expect. Uh, and it frustrates us all mightily. Your thoughts? Every country has a right to decide who comes in. It is simply not the right of people outside of a country to set that country's immigration policy. And we have forgotten that in this country. There's this notion that anybody from the third world who wants to come here has an entitlement to come here. That's not the case. But my my challenge to the left is you can choose one of two propositions. You can't choose both. You cannot, on the one hand, say that America is the absolute, uh, you know, nadir of, op- of, of oppression towards people of color and that you know we are we lead every every world civilization in awfulness and 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 prejudice and racism and you cannot at the same time say that we should be opening our borders to every per- third world person of color because they're mutually exclusive if we're so awful why do you want everybody to come here so you get to have one proposition or the other you know if you're going to be an open borders person admit that this country is not racist, that it is absolutely the the least prejudiced country in the entire world. Give that one up. Or if you're going to insist that we are the most racist, prejudiced country, then tell third world people, stay away, because if you come here, you will be oppressed. In fact, we have the worst of both worlds. We have the racism narrative. And then we have this this absolute emasculation of our national sovereignty that says that all cultures are equal and that there will be no change in American culture. There's a a horrific article out in the American Conservative uh, recently about a guy that lived in Mexico and describing just the lawlessness of public on public streets, the, the sense of everybody trying to get ahead by breaking the rules. There are different cultures. It is absurd. If you go to a Nordic culture, if you go to Germany, Switzerland, there's no litter on the streets. New York City right now is a absolute 
trash heap. There's litter everywhere because people are littering. The problem is the people. <laughs> you, there are places where people don't throw trash on the street. That's a different culture. And, and we are bringing in cultures here that, yes, there are individuals who are hardworking. There's no question. Uh, but on in bulk... At the levels that we're bringing in, it is not compatible with the country that we want to be. It is not. And uh, the, the Republicans and their investigative committees uh, holding hearings uh, and amongst those testifying, Tara Lee Rodas uh, from Health and Human Services outright saying that the Biden administration is the middleman between the Mexican drug cartels and the, uh, and the sex trafficking of hundreds of thousands of children. Uh, this is, a, as well as, of course, the smuggling of deadly fentanyl that claims at least 100,000 American lives every year. But without without response, there is no uh, we are so innervated, so desensitized. Maybe what the word you used is the correct word. We're des we have been uh, emasculated. emasculated. We don't know about our society because we can't come together because our politicians are afraid of the issues themselves. They choose sides, they virtue signal and it's resolved. Your thoughts? Well, I'm just amazed that the left proposes these radical changes in the very way human beings think of themselves. And radical changes is the wrong word. It's too, it's too uh, generous. Radical lies, let's, let's just be honest about here. And then that immediately becomes the default. And it then becomes the burden shifts to the conservatives that are trying to preserve the truth to make their case. And, 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 you know, the New York Times says, oh, it's the left, it's the right that's waging culture wars. No, we're not. We're just trying to hold our ground. It's the left that's the, that waging culture wars. And yet they immediately set the new terms. And, 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 you know, we, we hear about trans rights. Rights are something this is not some sort of inalienable right that was existing from all of human history, but they immediately claim that all of a sudden this is some uncontroversial, self-evident right, and that, and that anybody that wants to say that parents should be allowed to know what's going on to their children in school from their teachers, that they're violating this new breed of trans rights. It is simply stunning. Um, now, as far as the social epidemic contagion of one in four high school students or younger saying they're non-cis-heteronormative, not surprising. Uh, adolescents are, are looking at every moment for some way to have power and authority over adults. And if you can come up with a whole set of, of hoops to jump through for pronouns and whatnot, uh, it's not surprising that this, this, they're, they're flocking to this idea identity because it's cool it's you know the way to, it, it's a way to not be normal not be traditional conservative uh, so the only hope is that it's a passing phase but to the extent that the American Pediatric Association has its say it'll it'll have castrated chemically all these kids before they come to their senses and and maybe 
uh, say that there's more important things in life than simply trying to embrace some sort of transgressive identity. And, of course, it's no longer transgressive. It's it's now been completely normalized, so we'll have to have some new thing. You know, trans is not going to be the top dog victim for very long on the totem pole. There'll be something else that'll come along and displace it, and that's sort of a scary thing to think about, Lou. It is scary. Meanwhile, women don't have rights to choose their own bathrooms. They've got to share it with someone else. They don't. Uh, Title IX means nothing to women because uh, now uh, transformed genders uh, can race against them, jump against them, run against them, do whatever in their sport and beat them. I, I mean, it's madness. And it's on its face. It's absurd and unfair because men are built uh, in, in lots of ways more powerful than women. They're faster. You have to acknowledge that reality, right? Well, I love it. I mean, I don't, I don't, what's not to like in this situation, Lou? You have the feminists who destroyed male sports through Title IX and said, well, you know, these may be more, more popular, uh, you know, but we're, we're going to take them out so that we can have equal funding. And so now the feminists are getting trounced by the men. And I, I say let both sides eat each other up. I really don't care. I don't have a, a dog in that fight, you know? It's, you know it's fantastic. I don't either. I don't either, except I have uh, grandkids who are uh, playing sports, and I want them to be able to play sports as young ladies against young ladies. I want the, the guys to have, you know, uh, their domain. Well, too bad. Too bad. It's I'm worked, sorry. It's, it's, worked, feminist... it's, worked, uh, it's worked pretty well across the, uh, you know, the span of humanity. Well, if the feminists aren't willing to stand up to this tale with them, I mean, what good are they? Uh, if I were a feminist, I would say, isn't this just like men to come in and, and destroy our, our, you know, field of accomplishment here? This is toxic masculinity. But most of them lips are sealed. They're willing to go along with this. So why should I care? I, you know, I really do not care if females are no longer going to be able to win uh, swimming titles or running titles against men, if they're not willing to stand up and say that there are absolute differences in uh, the b skeletal development, m muscular development, hormonal development, to hell with them. You know, I, I really don't care. I, I think it's all quite amusing. All of the issues we've been talking about today, of course, are critically important, but ignored too often no public hearings, no major studies about all of the controversial issues we're confronted with, and too few social critics like Heather McDonald have both the talent and the courage to take on these big issues, to separate facts from labels and smoke, seeking truth. Our founders, inspired and blessed by God, created our Constitution, and our cherished rights, rights now threatened from within, principally by the left, the Marxist Dems, and like our founders who created these rights, we have a fight brewing over the preservation of those rights, these American rights. Heather, we thank you for being in the fight. Your concluding thoughts, if you will. Well, I agree. Uh, I don't think they're God-given either. I think they are human creations. And it is Western civilization that created the very ideas that the left has appropriated now and is trying to destroy Western civilization with tolerance, equality, due process of law, limited government. Uh, these, these are very specific creations of a very specific civilization that is now a universal gift to the world. And... Uh, People should stop apologizing for it, get the facts, 
get the facts that describe America today and and do not allow yourself to be silenced by phony charges of racism or sexism. It doesn't matter. They, let them call you that all you want if you know you have the truth on your side. That this is this is our moment of fighting and of courage, and and it is time for everybody to stand up, and and stop being frightened. Thank you so much, Lou. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate it. That's all for us here today. Joining us tomorrow will be Just the News editor John Solomon, with lots, of course, to take up, including his new book for children, All American Stuff. We hope you'll join us for that. Until then, thank you. God bless you, and may God bless America.